Chaz Manley here with your evening report. It is now day 1189 of quarantine because everybody can't get along and listen. Well, oh, sorry, in other news, <laughs> in other news, Rebecca, herpes seems to be on the rise as more and more folks are not covering their face or their genitals, and unfortunately, everything is spreading like Sam's opinions. Do you know where your chinchilla goes at night? Tune back <laughs> later for more. It goes into the uh, you know Watkins closet. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> and. By the eternal. Behold. Behold! It is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And it's been a minute since we have had this happen, but I am very pleased to announce we actually have a sponsor this week, gentlemen. Oh my lord. And it's very important. This is something that needs to be perpetuated, and I was more than willing to get on board. I think the both of you will back me here, but today... Uh, the Disinformed Podcast is being brought to you by the law offices of Shup and Fuckoff. Uh, this is their message. If you or your loved one has been refused entry into a private business for not wearing a face mask, and you are seeking to explore legal options to protect your constitutional rights, our law firm at Shup and Fuckoff is happy to explain just how fucking stupid you are. Call us at one eight 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 go fuck yourself. Yeah, I'm proudly, uh, proudly sponsored. Yes. 110%. That was actually shared. My uh, glorious significant other showed that to me this morning. That is posted on an actual office here in Phoenix. Love it. Uh, someone put that on their law office window, and uh, they have been getting some very interesting reviews based on that text. I, uh, you know, peppered it because it's me, and I can't help myself. Right. Speaking of people <sighs> who are too stupid to wear a mask, I've been, I don't think I, I, I meant to talk to you guys about this last week, but I kind of spaced it. Mm -hmm. um, in the adventures of my internet trolling, I have coined a new phrase, and I want you guys to tell me if you think it's effective. Like, if Ooh, it was, okay. if someone responded to you with this, or if you saw someone get responded to with this, if it would, you know, be like, ooh, damn, get him, dad. Um, but I've been telling people that they strike me as the kind of fellow that wipes before they poop. It's reasonable. Okay. I, don't I feel know. like I almost need the context for it, but but like it it seems. I don't know. Like I was has, just thinking about it. I don't know. I, I don't know. The but I maybe it's just <laughs> not clicking with me. What context I, do you I need to provide that typically one wipes following shitting, Michael? That's the normal sequence. Okay, of so let me paint a picture here. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. It is. Please don't use poop. It is four years ago, and the Avengers are heading to Sokovia. <laughs> I don't have anything else. I've just oh, been, I, I've just been binging the whole thing. So. Uh, but anyway, so so yay, nay, indifferent. I, yeah, I no, like I'd it. I'd say yay. Yeah, yeah I, I just for some reason it didn't click immediately for me. I feel like it's I'm almost going, as effective as calling him a simpleton. Yeah, yeah, it's full approval on my yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. question. Mm -hmm. I uh, I have an interesting reminiscence to touch on here, John. Before we get into the actual show proper love the first time uh, oh really i didn't really appreciate it as much as i should have in the moment but you know on further listens after the first blush i think it is it's sheer genius yeah long, really long live revanescence yes uh that's what we're all angling for it's <laughs> just to boy. be very bright and then waste away uh our 
single was played on the radio this morning. It was. Which what? It, it's a Wednesday, July the 1st. We were uh, featured on KWSS here in the Valley. A big out, a shout out to them. We love them dearly. So thank you. But um, Aww, do you know, awesome. did you see the song that preceded us on the radio? Um, Teach Me English Again. Uh, it was Alt J. Oh, okay. Yes. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I literally, I woke up at 925 and just sat up in bed because I, my radio dial doesn't, it's, it's a low FM for them. Okay. So it doesn't, like, I can't use my tuner downstairs for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty funny that, that I felt that was a story that certainly is worth telling at, at some point. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a very bizarre time capsule for us to get into. Uh, I would say what four, at least maybe three years, three and a half years ago, four years if ago. Zuckerberg's self recording device told me correctly this morning, probably five or six. Okay. So, uh, we were in the, the grand city of, uh, Clarksville. Clarkdale. Clarksville. Clarksville. I'm I'm trying to... Yes, Clarksville. Welcome to Clarksville. Uh, And John was attempting to test the wherewithal of his swizzle stick with a rather unseemly young woman. And whilst he was doing this, I, the ever-vigilant wingman, was stuck talking to this woman's mother. Oh. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about this. she was higher than giraffe pussy. The entire time. And so John is attempting to put the make on this poor girl. And so they're bopping back and forth between, you know, the bar, the table, the restroom, the bar. This and is the, the lounge, right? The, uh, the yes. lounge bar across from the... Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, and so this entire time, I'm stuck with this woman who is on the most morphine-addled Mobius strip I have ever encountered in the entirety of my adult life. Where she continues to tell me on repeat about this band, Alt-J, and they all dropped acid together and had a shared experience and they wrote an album about it. Have you heard of them? Like, no, haven't at all. Have no frame of reference. And then there would be, you know, 20 to 35 seconds of discourse about other things. And then as though the Chucky doll reset, she would stop and go, Oh, this song reminds me of this band called Alt-J. Have you heard of them? I didn't even work in the industry then. So I didn't, like, and I wasn't really aware of your suffering because you were being very gracious uh, and taking that heat from from me so that I could focus on other things that never played out. Um, But that is the kind of shit that I do not miss about serving dumb assholes Mm -hmm. uh, booze is getting the repeating uh kind of bit going on now that also was the same bar and hopefully get out same Same night night? oh my goodness we should ask uh we should ask sam and i know that we're doing the time travely bit of nonsense but yes we should ask sam if she remembers uh this night as well because i think it's a coin toss if she does or doesn't um but yeah shane you also got open-handed like 60 mile per hour slapped across the face and for the first time in your life it wasn't because you said anything offensive it was you just answered a question 
honestly and earnestly and you got punished well, for it. Well, according to this woman, it was offensive uh, in general principle. At the time, Michael, to clarify, I was very beardy. So uh, I was kind of in a robust facial hair stage. And this woman we've known for quite some time. Like yeah, the still talk to her now. Time, yeah, so we played in Clarkdale a lot, and it, for some reason, uh, she just, you know, got a little tipsier than usual, or I had never been around her post-shift. Probably. And so uh, she and Sam became booze buddies, which is not difficult to do with Sam, as long as you're, you know, a willing taker, she will drink this with you. This is old Sam, too. Like, old old Sam. Yeah, last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, wait, there, there was a version of Sam that drank even more than she does now? Uh, Sadly, yes, that does exist. Mother but, of so, Pearl. The two of them were matching drink for drink, so I'm fairly certain that they were on, you know, like 25 to 30 by this point. And so the lady in question asked me if I had watched Vikings because my beard is very reminiscent of, you know, the characters on Vikings. And there was a particular guy that she thought I looked like. And I went, no, just casually offhand. Like, no, I've, I've never seen Vikings. I don't really watch television. And as I'm getting through, I don't really watch television. And John can probably tell this better since he witnessed the action. Oh, well, I didn't witness this so much as I heard it. Because I was still, now that you're piecing the night together for me with your remarkable sober brain, um, I was still trying to fit it in back at the other booth with with the the mom and daughter show. Mm -hmm. Um, But all I hear over the music in the bar is, is the smack. And I run to Shane and I... Just because I don't, it's not like I've been in like a lot of fights or whatever, but you know that like carnal rage. Ready to go. Like you see it flash over Shane's face for a second. I'm putting my hand on his chest and we're just kind of comprehending what the fuck just happened. (laughs) Yeah. So as I, as I'm saying, I don't really watch television. She just hauled off, drew back and completely slapped me across the face. To this day, there's only one, one more slap that was as, if not a little more vicious, but in that case... It was a game, and they were asking to be slapped harder, and that was Logan at one of our shows at Cornish Pasty. Mm. Uh, him, him. There's two gals and him, and I don't know how they got on the conversation or like the the dare, but he's drunk. It's like one o'clock at night. We just got done playing for like two hours and just smack. How many? How many buttons was he down? Three. He was three button. Oh Logan. God, yeah. we were three button Logan. Oh, that's dangerous territory. Oh, yeah, that's I, too I, much. Shit, you not like I'm loading out my my amp and my my cases and i just hear whip 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 and i look and it's just it's like almost like a comic strip of him just getting his face slapped one way and then the other and he's laughing he's giggling and then he gets a particular or like a hard slap and he just like puts out his hand he's like and in his deadpan voice he's like okay well i think that's enough now thanks <laughs> <laughs> Michael, are you familiar with the sliding scale of Logan inebriation? Have we have we helped you to that one yet? Um, I do believe I've been privy to some of that, but I've never heard of the actual formal definition. You can gauge how deep into the evening Logan is and just how hilarious things are about to get by the number of buttons. If he's and he typically is wearing a button down shirt at our shows. The number yeah. of buttons he's unbuttoned. So if he's below two, shit's about to get real. Oh goodness. That's the thing is that him and I, we get the same kind of drunk where it's like, it's kind of stealthy. It's not like loud like Sam. Like, right. If you pay close enough attention, you'll realize that it's happened. But if 
you just like play the night as you're playing the cards as usual you'd be like oh well, he was just a little like slap happier that's all well uh is someone who has observed this happen on many occasions and has been you know at its folly on multiple times this is the easiest way to describe it when inebriated both john and logan turn into in the ghostbusters oeuvre slimer mostly just hurling things at their face mildly inoffensive they will occasionally fling fluids at you that you get to deal with and confirm. you get to turn to friends and family and go he, he slimed me that's them sam is the <laughs> stay puff marshmallow bitch and will just <laughs> churlumping over city blocks crushing everything in her wake that's that's the difference between them and asher basically is just sitting in the corner the entire time the librarian doing a slow cuck on everyone else in the room. So those are the different, you know, paranormal activities I, I would, deal with on a week by week. I would argue that Asher is uh the same person drunk or stoned. Uh he'll just like especially if it's like after after a show and like there's other people on after us, like he'll just stand there and he'll close his eyes and he'll just be bobbing his head to the groove and that's all he needs to do. Like I remember he he had to go to work the following morning after we played the holiday show with Bear Ghost. And he had no intention of staying at all. Like, not one bit. He's like, I'm probably like 30 minutes and I got to go. And he ended up having a blast. So he had a couple beers. And I think he probably hit Sam's pen or something. And that man looked like as happy as you should be around the Christmas season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's awesome. Well, before we get into your topic, Shane, I don't know if I I haven't decided if I want to do this full out. Do it. Oh, look at me not being prepared. Um, I was going to say maybe I would have a topic to present in the <gasps> future. What? And, Bullshit. Yeah. You know what? Hold on. Because if, if it was a topic, then it'd be super, super short, which would kind of fit the whole thing. And I didn't even mm. think about it. I didn't even learn about it until last night. So if Shane already knows a bunch about it, I already assume Michael doesn't, then <laughs> then I won't do it. But if if not, then then I'll look into it and I'll write something up. But did you know that... Wesley Snipes was originally going to make a Black Panther movie, like, back in 92. I did not know this. No. Hell yeah. Well, bookmark this. You can clip it. I'll I'll make a presentation. I will literally <sighs> save that clip and just post it on our Facebook chat. <laughs> because that's what I do whenever I hear funny shit coming out if... of your mouth when I edit. <laughs> you do send those clips. The amount of times that I've said clip that about something Shane said... And then the amount of times that I've received just me going, Bling! <laughs> I have well, not if once only... gotten a Shane clip, but I've gotten nope. me sounding like a heathen every single week. If only we had your ex-girlfriend on here, we could say clip that. <laughs> ah, so... I'm going yeah, to leave that alone. Tell them what we do. Let's get through this. <laughs> uh, if you could leave that clip alone, we'd all be in a safer place right now, my friend. Ooh-wee. So what <laughs> we usually tend to do here on a con- our continuing mission for Stargate here is we go into an esoteric topic that is relevant to either us or something happening in the you know current contemporary culture. And we will discuss it at length. The presenter of the topic essentially is going to try to give you a little sousson about something esoteric. And in the midst of doing so, we'll lie about it just slightly uh, to make it interesting. It is incumbent upon the co-hosts to then point out the lies in the moment and trap them in situ. Yell posse and point at them and say interloper. 
And uh, that's what the game is. There are no points. Nothing matters because no one can win. We live in the United States. Ooh. I was going to say, it's it's basically the 2020 of concepts. It practically doesn't exist and we're, it doesn't matter. We're a nation of losers. Speaking of which, Fan Fusion isn't happening this year. Oh, that's year. right. Yeah, I, I saw so that. So we'll just rip the band-aid much. and get that out of the way. But, you know, we'll we'll find a way to make what we were going to do at Fan Fusion happen Oh, we'll just here do on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be beautiful. Well, then I guess I won't wait until May of 21 to finish the Dark Tower. Yeah, you might want to get on that, Holmes. So, if you gentlemen are ready, I will tell you that as of right now, technically, my topic this week will contain three lies. Cool. The topic in question, and I'm not sure if Michael saw this in the document. Nope. Is the birthplace of horror. What I'm stoked. Do I do I have you intrigued? You do. Is this because yeah. of your uh, your shutter free trial that you had? No, not at all. Strangely huh. enough, I have ye- I've yet to touch it. Okay. So I I still look forward to that. Did, but oh, sorry. No, did, please dive in. Did they snag you back with a free month? I, I haven't tried shutter yet. I still oh, have not dipped my toe in the water. No, because I am still balls deep in the Stephen King oeuvre. I am 400 pages through Finder's Keepers right now. Gotcha. Well, I, I did a seven-day trial of Shudder uh, to, to watch like a, a episode of Creep Show and then just kind of see what it was about. Um, right. And then I did the usual, like the seven days were up, and I was like, all right, cool, going to go cancel. And they're like, they, they got me in. They're like, we'd hate to see you go. Would you like a month for free? And I was like, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I'm we, hate, <laughs> we hate to see you go, but we love to watch you leave. Would you like to have a month free? Eh? Eh? But I Maybe. will say so far that it is, uh, it's pretty worth it for, for a horror fan, uh, which this, I guess, is kind of related because you're going to be telling me the, the history, but they have a lot of documentaries on uh, on the history of horror, like why we enjoy horror movies as a mm. society. Uh, they have one that I'm interested in seeing, but I've never seen the uh, the film that they're documenting. They have one about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which they have referred to as the most queer uh, Nightmare on Elm Street entry of all time. What is that, Patton in it? Um, it is uh, the, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Electric Boogaloo, I believe, is the subtitle for that one. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. But anyway, uh, please, lie to me about history. Oh, I plan to. So, uh, Interestingly enough, the details that I'm going to give you on this uh, revolve around a an odd collection of events here, an interesting set of circumstances. Don't Bullshit. you do it. I could see it. I could see it happening. So, the first trembling tendrils of what we would classify as literary horror sprouted from a fabled, though often grossly exaggerated, evening of storytelling that took place on a stormy night in Switzerland in 1816. It wasn't stormy. It was very much stormy. It was a bright, sunny night. Sorry, I had a little bit of cum in my throat. Well, yeah, that happens. Uh, On this legendary night, a cluster of young writers, poets, and their associates gathered in a small hunting cabin and unwittingly gave birth to a collection of tales that would dramatically impact the literary landscape to this day. Our story begins with Mary Shelley, the daughter of philosopher and political writer William Godwin and famed feminist author Mary Wollenstonecraft. Uh, Shelley herself became a writer of immense fame and repute following the events detailed here. 
1814, Mary began a relationship with poet Percy Bessie Shelley, who I am very interested in telling you gentlemen is one of the biggest philandering fuckheads you will ever hear about in the entirety of human existence. And I will, we could do this on another episode, but this man is a rare piece of shit. I'm uh, intrigued. Yeah. All too infrequently do you hear about the, you know, cuckold poets uh, throughout the, the run of human history. But this gentleman uh, enjoyed slang in the wang, as a, as a fellow says. Okay. So, uh, Percy Shelley was, at the time, a devoted student of her father, but soon shifted his attention to Mary after meeting her. Uh, he happened to still be married to his first wife when he and the then-teenaged Mary fled England together that same year. The couple was accompanied at the time by Mary's stepsister, Jane Claremont. Mary's actions alienated her from her father subsequently, and he refused to speak to her for quite some time. So, yeah, uh, Mary and Percy began to travel around Europe at this time. They struggled financially, as you do when you're a vagabond individual roaming about the wild. I was going to say, I feel like that's like part of the ingredients to any of these stories. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be an artist, you're basically just going to be hands to mouth, and hopefully that's you know something other than your hands going. There will there. be suffering. <laughs> there will be blood. Suffer for your art. Uh, uh, so uh, they faced the loss of their first child in 1815. Mary delivered a baby girl who only lived for a few days, and so there is our uplifting moment for the yeah, episode. Right. Uh, mm, if a child touching. doesn't die over the course of our discussion here, I feel like we've somehow missed a mark. Why is it for... always you, though? Why is well, it... <laughs> I I want humans to die in general. Children just happen to be a byproduct because they're loud and they smell funny. Yeah, I didn't have any children dying in my last episode. I had children, but not die. So you didn't have the sprinkles on top of the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, no. It's the, uh, you know, that whole scene, it, it, we laugh because Melissa really loves Jurassic Park, but when they get to the Dr. Grant terrifies the child with the raptor claw at the beginning. That's you. It, it is me. She always tends to just turn and look at me as kind of like, a breed of <laughs> child Dr. Grant might be interesting. They smell. Baby smell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the following summer, the Shelleys traveled through Europe along the Rhine in Germany stopping at Gernsheim, which is 17 kilometers away from Frankenstein Castle. That's 11 miles for all of you, uh, you know, Americans. Is it actually called Frankenstein Castle? It was actually called yeah. Frankenstein Castle. Okay. I only speak freedom units, so thank yes. you for, for converting. You're welcome. So uh, where two centuries prior at Castle Frankenstein, uh, a noted alchemist engaged in deranged experimentation. Uh, she then journeyed to the region of Geneva, Switzerland, uh, the setting where the bulk of Frankenstein's plot is staged. Uh, the topic of galvanism and occult ideology were themes of conversation amongst her companions, particularly her lover and future husband, Percy B. Shelley. Uh, joining them in Switzerland were Lord Byron, another mm. famed poet. And... I would love to do a thing on him. He's Oh, I bet you would like to do something on him. There oh, I are, bet he would love to do that to me. There are some interesting cross-sections here that I think Michael's going to be very piqued by uh, as we proceed here. So Lord Byron and uh, his doctor, attending physician, John Polidori, who added several other critical characters to our tale here. I had to sort of reconcile a lot of accounts in order to get this, so I have whipped this up with a little prose dust here. I beg your indulgence. Mm. Uh, so I had to whip this together on my own. But uh, Polidori 
was one of the earliest pupils at the recently established Ampleforth College, subsequently attending the University of Edinburgh, where he wrote a thesis on sleepwalking and received his degree as a doctor of medicine on August 1st, 1815, at the age of 19. I know. Why? Trust me. It, it gets it's, even more You always got to have, like, one smart genius nerd. Oh, it gets better. Wait. So in 1816, Dr. Polidori entered Lord Byron's service as his personal physician. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, big-eyed stare at the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and accompanied him on his trip through Europe. Notably, publisher John Murray offered Polidori 500 English pounds to keep a diary of their travels, owing to his companion's notoriety at the time. Uh, at the uh, Villa Diodati, a house Byron rented by Lake Geneva in Switzerland. I don't know why I made it Italian, even though we're... Arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> I, I speak bon, the next most bon Swiss. Bon <laughs> Ah, the scusa, scusa. Uh, bon so, Giorno. Bon Jovi, yes. Uh, so, at the uh, house that Byron rented by Lake Geneva in Switzerland, the pair were met by Wallen Stonecraft Godwin, uh, otherwise known as uh, Mary Shelley, uh, her husband-to-be Percy, and uh, their companion, Mary's stepsister, Jane Claremont. Claremont was accompanied on this particular evening by a young British biologist who just happened to be another aspiring young writer by the name of H.G. Wells. The two had met at Uh, one of her father's lectures months prior. Bullshit to H.G. Wells? Pourquoi? Um, Because you said this was 1816, Mm -hmm. and I know that he was invited to the, um, the Scopes Monkey Trial. A mm-hmm. uh, hundred and ten years after that, wasn't Orson Welles invited? I thought it was H.G. Wells. You that said Orson Welles. It was well, the actor. okay. All right, so I'll respecify because I know Time Machine was written in a, about the turn of the century. The eighteen ninety seven was when it was published. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he wrote it when he was old as shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust me, it gets Jesus. weirder. Squint, are you're you're continuing to squint at me mm, now. Here's fine, the question: we don't, you we, said, we don't hold on to the lies here. It's it's a give it's yeah. a give them up. So if Shane hasn't yeah. given them up, then I think we're... I know that's 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 why I just narrowed my eyes and didn't say anything else. Well, I will tell you. Uh, yeah, H.G. Wells is bullshit. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh! Oh! But uh, not for the reasons you're calling out, though, because the the cross section uh, is. That Orson Welles is the one who performed the War of the Worlds, and he, yes. I believe, is the one who they asked to go to the monkey trial, if I remember I'm calling. I'm fairly but certain it was H.G. You presented it, so but, obviously. But Long story short, future, too late. Future me will look it up. In any event, the two had met at one of her father's lectures months prior and sparked a short-lived romance. A futurist, Wells would go on to write a number of utopian works and foresaw the advent of aircraft, tanks, space travel, nuclear weapons, satellite, television, and something resembling the World Wide Web. He also His... foresaw Shane fucking my mom. Uh, no, there was no one present for that other than God <laughs> and the devil. Uh, so his science fiction imagined time travel, alien invasion, invisibility, and biological engineering. On a stormy night in June, after the company had read aloud from Phantasmagoriana, say that five times fast, Phantasmagoriana, a French collection of German horror tales, Byron suggested they each write a short story. Percy Bessie Shelley penned A Fragment of a Ghost Story, and also transcribed five stories recounted by Matthew Gregory Monk Lewis, which were published posthumously as the journal at Geneva, 
including ghost stories. So that it, was his nickname, Monk? Yes, his nickname is yes, his nickname as indicated here in quotes is Monk. Okay. So Monk Lewis back in 1819, well 1815 technically. Uh it was at this time that the idea for Mary Shelley's most famous novel Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus germinated. After ruminating for days about the blustery evening's ghost stories, uh, Shelley dreamt about a scientist who created life and was horrified by what he made, inspiring the novel. Shelley's interactions with death, both with the loss of her mother at a young age, her child with Percy uh, around this time, as well as the suicides of her half-sister Fanny and Percy's abandoned wife. Yes, when Percy left uh, his wife alone and they went gallivanting through Europe, she killed herself. Within a year of this occurring. Oof. Lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, So saying, uh, marrying this readily with the tales of the German alchemist she'd recently been treated to, this formed a fairly solid foundation for her later tale. Uh, Lord Byron wrote and subsequently abandoned a fragment of a story, adequately and appropriately titled A Fragment. Uh, featuring the main character Augustus Darvel, which Apollodori later used as the basis for his own tale, The Vampire, which appears to be the first published modern vampire story in English. Wells, it was told, uh, recounted a story that evening of a mad scientist who devoted himself to research into optics and invents a way to change his body's refractive index to that of air so that it neither absorbs nor reflects light and thus becomes invisible. He successfully carries out this procedure on himself, but fails in his attempt to reverse it. Going insane from a lack of human interaction and spurred by his total anonymity due to his ghostly state, the character perpetuates a string of random and irresponsible violence upon the city of London. This is believed to be the birth of Wells' Invisible Man, though that story wouldn't be published until 1897, much later in his life. So this aspect of the story's creation may have been fabricated simply due to the association of the Invisible Man with Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman as a modern movie monster. Michael is looking at me in a peaked way. No. Oh, okay. Well, well, okay. I was confused. What was the rude? (laughs) Um, I I was still confused what the bullshit part of it was. Um, So and uh, that's that's why I was kind of like a little confused. I guess. Well, that's why I was asking you to clarify what you felt was bullshit. So, did you feel that bull that Wells being there was bullshit, or did you feel that him being what what were you calling bullshit on? I was calling bullshit under the fact that it was 1815, and I know that, and you had verified, that he had published a lot of his works mm-hmm. in the late uh, 19th century, early 20th century. Yes. And so I I find it very hard to believe that he was either there as a, uh, other than just an absolute child, like a five-year-old, um, or he was pretty much the oldest man alive when he started publishing his books. Okay. So the the credulity, I to put it bluntly, is that he was there at all. Okay, and that is the bullshit. Yes, so he was not there at all. He was not there at all. So subsequently, okay. the Invisible Man being a part of this evening's festivities, you could extrapolate, would also be bullshit. I will give that to you because the one hinges on the other. Man, Fair. thank you, Michael. I think that's a, it's a home run you had there, pal, because I have that in the back of my head of like, Wait, I thought that we said that that was bullshit that he was he was there, mm-hmm. but then Shane crafted it very well and like just played played into well. Let's just see if they're going to remember that that was well, bullshit. 
if you want me to do the full unveil no, right he's, now. He's fair. He's fair. I did not specify what mm-hmm. exactly was bullshit. I just said H.G. Yeah, Wells was bullshit. I didn't specify it. That is, I'll as like a, a ref or something like that. I would say that's definitely allowed. Because I wasn't specific about sure. what so, the bullshit was. Uh, I can further unveil here to even further this. H.G. Wells was born in 1860. So he was not even alive when this was occurring. But I was banking on whether or not uh, either of you would have had sufficient enough experience with Wells to extrapolate that. Well but done. Further interesting things abide. So, uh... Polidori's conversation with Percy Bessie Shelley on June 15th, 1816, as recounted in The Diary, which is the stuff he sent back about Byron, uh, also regarded as the origin or genesis of Frankenstein. They discussed principles, uh, the nature of the principle of life, June 15, Shelley, etc., came in the evening. Mm. Uh, <laughs> as you do. Afterwards, Shelley I and I had a conversation about principles, whether man was to be thought merely an instrument. So, there is some debate about how the actual germination of the story began, uh, but uh, we'll touch on that a little bit further. Uh, once dismissed as Byron's doctor, uh, Polidori traveled in Italy and then returned to England. His story, The Vampire, which featured the uh, main character, Lord Ruthven, was published in the April 1819 issue of New Monthly Magazine without his permission. Oops. Whilst in London, he lived on Great Pulteney Street in Soho. Much to both his and Byron's chagrin, The Vampire, or The Vampire, was released as a new work by Byron. (laughs) Byron's own vampire story, Fragment of a Novel or a Fragment, was published in 1819 in an attempt to clear up the confusion, but for better or worse, The Vampire continued to be attributed to him. Oh, man. It is also believed that Polidori's story featured prominently as the inspiration of the quintessential vampire tale, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which would coincidentally be published in 1897 along with Wells' Invisible Man. There is an argument in the literary community, espoused by Brian Aldiss in particular, which argues that each could be considered the first true science fiction story, depending upon if you want to look at Frankenstein from a more science fiction bend, more than a horror story. And same thing with The Invisible Man. You could make an argument for either being science fiction or horror. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nevertheless, however you classify the pieces born of that evening's raconteuring, it is most certainly a night which gave birth to a collection of tales that helped define the modern horror and science fiction genres and serve as the catalyst for the now ubiquitous pastime of telling ghost stories around a fire to titillate and terrify one's companions. Uh, And I have here at the end of my notes, you can include a quick jaunt about Percy Shelley being a philandering fuckhead and drowning to death on a ship whilst he was with a friend. So he uh, left uh, Percy and went out on a uh, you know quick sailing binge. It said that she dealt with his philandering ways for a good portion of their marriage. He, uh, there were many instances of adultery. And then he drowned to death out at sea with a friend who had taken him out on a ship. But this is Jesus. all from a biology or biology even more entertaining biological perspective exactly Mm -hmm. from biography.com's discussion of percy shelley wait i thought it was lord byron that was lost at sea uh no 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 this is uh shelley 
who okay. was drowned. I might be thinking. I, I, they I know may that... have both died that way. I'm not a, the world's largest uh, compendium of knowledge about Byron That's fair. either. I, I looked up about. I looked up some stuff about Byron a long time it ago. I know that he dealt me, with. Given your yeah, proclivities. Hey, <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. You shut it for His me. Sex working mouth. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Come on, stumble bum. Get it over with. <laughs> uh, but no, like I. I think he was lost. He might have been lost at sea while he was sailing, sailing toward uh, the the Greek, Uranus, Turkish. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard that. That hasn't story. been di- wait. That was discovered. Never mind. Uranus. I had to remember. <laughs> yeah, Uranus was discovered in the late eighteenth uh, century. Did well, you just purposely pronounce that wrong? Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. I'll show you some astrology okay. here. All right. Tomato potato. It was almost called uh, Planet George after the king, and he said nah. Um. But anyway, continue. You digress. Is there there more? Uh, That was the end of my presentation. When I said I want to make Ah. these things short, you want to make them short. No, I like it. Um, So we got two. There was a third we didn't get, though. There was a third you did not get. What was the third? Uh, Any stabs? Nah. Oh, none. I'm sitting up here with my two, so... I mean, technically, I gifted you one. I mean, I will call that lie a wash because it hinged on the other. And we're still some speculation here since you weren't very specific about what I was lying about other than him being there. But, uh, I mean, I'm crediting you. You sussed it out. And through, you know, the best evidence that we could run is you deduced that he was probably not there. Yes, I just didn't formally declare it. I did not declare it. Said declare. bullshit. Oh, gracious! I I don't have any other ideas, um, because I have heard at least a partial story. I know that they have crossed paths, like Shelley, both Shelleys, uh, and Byron. I know that they've crossed paths, and like, amongst other things, yes, yes, uh, yes. Prob- most certainly. Now, yes. uh, in fairness, the last time we had a situation like this where John picked out a couple lies, I believe he said, "Suck it, Michael." And uh, he gloated, you know, continually. So if you want to take another moment to sort of indulge in the fact that you got something where John didn't, please feel free. Yeah, please. No, I'll I'll, I'll be the bigger man here, and that's what I'll gloat over. And you still have yeah. a tiny dick, though. I mean, it all depends on how you use it. <laughs> that is uh, Asher's number one response to me. With I was going to be like, if you're doing needlework, I imagine it's probably very handy. There's many a Stitching pin is very nice when you already have a needle point at the ready and at any given point. In how? Time. Death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> I legitimately text Asher, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, with with just like, I was just like venting. I was like, man, bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and he, he responded back with a very thoughtful response mm. of like, it was very like uplifting and, and very like, it's kind of the thing that you needed to hear at the time or see at the time. Um, and he goes, yeah, as a passive observer, like, this is what I would do. And then five minutes later, he responded, you still have a tiny dick, though. And that's basically what he's been doing for, for years now is making sure to, to really drive that one home mm-hmm. that I'm lucky that I have someone that loves me with this condition. Well, when you have a tiny dick, you can't help but have to drive it home. I mean, that's really the only option <laughs> you have. And Shane, we Zing. could drive it home with one headlight. Indeed. Uh, who is anyway, going to drive you line? home tonight? The other lie yeah. is uh, that uh, Polidori's story, which was coincidentally, uh, that is true. It is considered the first vampire story uh, committed uh, 
It did not, however, factor at all in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker had oh. no connection to it whatsoever, doesn't acknowledge it. Uh, primarily, Stoker owes a large portion of his inspiration to having met uh, Armin Vambri, a Hungarian Jewish writer and traveler. Uh, Dracula likely emerged from Vambri's dark stories of the Carpathian Mountains. And if there are those of you who any Ghostbusters aficionados amongst you, I'll loop it back into my earlier commentary. That was Vigo the Carpathian. Lord Vigo! That we're referring to here. Oh, the uh, the portrait dude? Indeed, the portrait dude. The guy that gave me nightmares when I was a kid. Yes, the one, he of the ascending forehead, who also was a villain in Die Hard. That fucked me up when I was a kid. Not even, like, just to distress it again, like, the him, didn't he come out of the painting? Yes, he came out of the painting. Yeah. Uh, as he stole the, as he was attempting to steal the soul of a child and, you know, put himself into it. It was kind of dark. Oh, it's real dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first Ghostbusters isn't all sunshine, lollipops, daydreams either, my friend. I mean, they get pretty dark there, too. It is do a rewatch, that's for sure. I do love those movies. Uh, so, long story short, too bloody late, that... Ladies and germaphobes, I I was just fascinated by the fact, I know it's apocryphal, and I've heard this discussed many times, where this was something where the origin of Frankenstein and, you know, vampires in general, but it when I've heard it, most folks tend to throw in that it's Dracula, or that it was inspired by Dracula, or there's always some sort of tendril that weaves through where people want to try to connect all the universal monsters together, so right. I figured I could whip the uni- you know Invisible Man in there and... Uh, uh, not owing to the fact that my friend here is anal retentive about the weirdest things, not limited to which HGL's being yeah. involved in a monkey trial. I I know dates that like it's only if they're dates from like the last couple of like centuries. Well, that's uh, th- th- uh, sent this year. He just flashed century, to Michael like at home with his girlfriend, and he's like, "Actually, on date number thirty six, right after you had your second glass of punch, you said this." And that conflicts with what you said on date number 48. That's far too linear for Michael. You need to have some hums and haws in there and then talk about yeah. weird astral planes that you visited before getting around to the point. Well, you see, uh, you sound like a I, stoner? when I went into my quantum phaseizer, I saw that you were doing weird things in the realms. Can we please make that canon <laughs> that uh, Michael has now been converted to the weird scientist from The Simpsons? <laughs> Oh my the god. Old, the quite old, nice lady. Wait, <laughs> wait, what do you hear when he talks? I mean, mostly that. That's why I, it's, you've, you've actually canonized my headcanon. Uh, we're geez. so far in, and I know Michael's re-listened everything just for like quality and, and whatnot, but I, at some point, you have to think that you just created this podcast and brought us on just to roast you every single week. <laughs> It, it anything i start it usually turns into that that's why i'm okay with it because it's rah, it's living you know so that's 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 just how it goes oh, i am not I jafar i don't care what you say oh uh, uh, sorry the rock it was supposed to be a flintstones uh, uh, well I just all right wrong. okay well that's yeah. life that's what michael says uh, it's a living rock um <laughs> hey can you do that I'm one dead. more time but sound even more sad Bra, bra, bra! I was gonna say if he's been listening back to all the old episodes, trying to find quality, that's why he's still listening because he hasn't found it yet. I stopped listening. I gave up. Uh, I can understand. 
<laughs> so, gentlemen, I believe that then Sigourney segues us into our new part of the show that John has elected to give a uh, a walking introduction to each week. Ooh, now you're I, dog. I totally forgot that I said I was going to do that. So thank you for reminding me. And I'm well. That's sure. what I'm here for. All right, we hold each other accountable. It's what uh, friends do. I've heard. All right. So how many voice actors are on this show? Uh, I mean, at least a half. Just one, and it's the guy with the best voice. Not trying to jerk you off too much there, Shane. But oh, you were talking about me. I thought you were talking about uh, hair, you know, Google um, Vogue over here. And Michael has penned a script based off... Actually, it's just pulled directly from the world's worst fan fiction. Which we actually covered in episode 25 of this glorious little podcast. So if you're keen on hearing the actual entirety of you know what we're discussing, go back in the archives, pull that up, and give it a listen. And every week for the past eight years, we've been diving through uh, the script, and we're making the unofficial audiobook for My Immortal... Um, I don't remember the author's name, but I don't... Ebony? By... Tara Gillespie is the author's name. Whether or not that is a true name is subject to debate. I like now, that you've also listed the author as the main character, yeah. John. Well done. Uh, they're one and the same to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, every week we, we read a few chapters from it. Uh, Michael has uh, turned it into, uh, you know, a play for the most part or a screenplay. Mm-hmm. And tried. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we read everything verbatim, uh, typos and all. It's kind of the charm. So if you hear Shane, because he is our glorious narrator, um, if you hear him over or under uh, pronunciating, it is to emphasize the mistakes, which are plentiful. And if you wanted to start a drinking game, and every time there was a typo, by the end of this first chapter, which is short, you'd be you'd saying die. Yeah, you would die of alcohol poisoning. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll hand it on over to, to Shane because I figure at this point he has a previously on, um, and I'm still working on maybe finding us some theme music to indicate the change. Cause I think that would be really fun to have a little, little ditty underneath us explaining what's happening before we get into my immortal. Have you, have you listened to any of our episodes recently, John? I haven't. I put in music. I, I, I put in like a little, like. Almost orchestral. Let me piece let me that... let me rephrase. I'm thinking like if you played the theme of Harry Potter backwards and then put it through a megaphone that went into a pedal board that made it sound like farts. <laughs> like that's kind of what I want <laughs> like, the theme music like to be. Deep fry it so that it just sounds like just audio distortion. So this is now U two okay. presents the Spider Man musical is what you're trying to get <laughs> us to do. If we could uh... find a way to force it onto everybody's phones like they did with their last album then absolutely anyway uh, my we'll apologies. find a way <laughs> all apologies well now for this week's uh you know forcing upon you audible nonsense uh yipes <laughs> here <laughs> we bring you Wee! the summation previously on my immortal chapter 25 we begin with a whir of activity as an exhibited or excremented uh, ebony leaves Twisted Sinister's office with an as-of-yet-unexplained dream, but with a pair of bi guys with hot thighs waiting for her in a hallway. Draco and Vampire reconvene with her in Draco Black Car, 
which may be some odd variation of Kit from Knight Rider, as far as I'm aware. I'm not entirely certain. I like that headcanon there. Uh, well, uh, they hit a heroin cabaret, spork, fly high and hide in a tree, and scree like there is no tomorrow to MCR. Vampire never left this fucking scene, and yet Ebony and Draco are somehow alone in the car and fervently tilling cloves and making the beast with two backs. Uh, amidst the lusty cries of Draco's name, proclaiming OMFG like no woman having sex fucking ever. Uh, she slips midstream from orgasm to sleep to fever dream as though experiencing the dying thoughts of a fucking morphine-addled cancer patient. <laughs> In this dream... A black man is shooting two gothic guys. I don't care how you try to explain this, Michael. It's just exhibiting racism. Uh, which turn out to be, dun dun dun, Lucius Malfoy and Sirius Black. Names so dramatically misspelled that they bear no striking resemblance to the actual characters themselves. Which leads us, of course, to chapter 26 which sees vampires simply appear at the tree as though through some form of olfactory magic of like, I sent moist vagina on the air. I must away. Uh, Ebony then flirtily says hi and then sobs, like every well-adjusted young lass with a heroin addiction that I have ever encountered. But why is she so perfect? Why is she so pretty? Well, that's why she's crying. It's just too much perfection on one human being. It's just a weight. It's a toll. So, she tells Vampire about this dream, and uh, subsequently, since it is the parents, parents, as claimed in this story, of both of these gentlemen, uh, they run panicking to Dumbledore in the hopes that he will assist them in verifying the veracity of the vision. Uh, Bumblespork then asks how he's supposed to know Ebony's divisional. <laughs> she, she then corrects him by saying she's not decisional. And we are living in a material world, and she is an immaterial girl. Uh, Fumbledore sends Pipple to investigate events. Ebony divides uh, that at the attack took place in Longden. Uh, <laughs> the gents are miraculously saved and brought to Hogwarts entirely off screen, so we needn't be burdened with any cumbersome exposition. No. Vampire slinks off to slit his wrists because nothing resolves any anxiety like bloodshed. Ebony and Draco spy Sirius and Lucius, Lucius, Lucius being wheeled in, followed by Professor Sinister, which leads us to chapter 27, subtitled, Vampires Will Never Hurt You, uh, which sees everyone, of course, weeping tears of joy or blood, depending upon your preference, at uh, Ebony's heroic act of running and telling someone else to do something. Who also runs <laughs> and tells other people to do something. Yep. Heroism at its finest. Uh, whilst everyone celebrates the safe return of Sirius and Lucius, Professor Sinister snags Ebony and indicates that she has to tell her the perdition. Or, in fact, the fucking perdition. Uh, <laughs> happy smells occur, black cards, and a crucible ball are used to determine that Drake times are ahead. I need one trance, got a crypto ball in my hands. And to dispel them, Ebony must travel back in time, find young Voldemort, and to coin a phrase, fuck the pain away. Fuck uh, the pain away. The rationale being that he would not become Velociraptor Mort if he had never <laughs> experienced 
the heartbreak, or as they said, suffering a broken, a borken hearth <laughs> in his youth. I love this. Until However, we start getting into it, I love it. Should milking his meat not cleanse him of the evil, <laughs> Ebony must kill him. As Ebony accepts her fate, she walks out of Sinestro's office to find her friends all waiting, anticipating. As they each ask her what transpired in the office, she elects to stand mute due to the joy of the occasion. Uh, what with all the reporters there cheesing her name and folks setting off fireworks with an X. Uh, no one wants to be a gothic party pooper. So she puts on her invisibility coke. Uh, apparently possession is now nine-tenths of the law, so Vampire does not own that anymore. That's hers. Uh, and sneaked out. It's with vampire. Like, it's essentially like the, the hoodie trope of a relationship. Mm, yes. Except with the, the robe. Like, that's her shit now. Like, when they Except break up, that's the family Bible. It was uh, vampires, and they're not in a relationship. She's dating Draco. Aren't they Polly? Uh, not yet. Uh, I mean, they're Polly. All but Polly. I mean, as far as I am aware, no one has ever specifically said that the two of them are entangled, though they have had sex. So, to I be mean. fair, though, and to argue, like, You've said it yourself in these summaries. Like, what is actually said in, in until you summarize what we ju- what we did the week prior? I have no idea what the fuck I'm reading. <laughs> what's funny is also uh, several listeners have told me that they have no idea what's happening in the story until I do the summaries because they'll listen and enjoy the fact that this is nonsense and don't remember anything from week to week. So, are you telling me that I am still accidentally the role of the audience? You are officially the every person of our oh podcast. Oh my goodness, I am. Beautiful. I'm not saying that everyone that listens to this show is not smart, but I feel so unintelligent all the time. So <sighs> I, I will be the voice. Uh, I, you know, the silent. What is it? The silent majority? Is that that stupid Indeed. shit? Oh my oh, god! Oh god, no! I, I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> You're more the vocal minority right now. I think is what we're angry <laughs> yeah. at. Okay. All right. So the- that brings us to this week's trauma riddled. Get it? Installment uh. <laughs> of my immortal. John, you had a question. Do you still want me to uh, read the script writer's notes when they appear? I mean, if you're inclined to, I don't mind having things taken off my plate. So sure, feel free. I will. I will read the parentheticals and the and that kind of stuff. All I, right, I, then. I, I didn't mind. And so now we bring you the Disinformed Podcast presents my immortal, as performed by the Disinformed Podcast cast. Chapter 28. Scriptwriter's note. In the previous chapter, Ebony and Prof Sinister did Death's Touch Sign. Sin. Death's Touch Sin. It's supposed to be Death's Touch Sign, a hand gesture originating from the Saga of Darren Sean book series, meant to display respect towards a vampire that is likely to be killed. I found this out on the My Immortal Wiki, which does exist. Also, I found that Raven, the editor of My Immortal, also wrote her own fanfiction titled, I'm Not Okay. Hmm. How predictable. Yes. Well, I'm... Because they do it a couple more times in the rest of this ep- uh, uh, in the rest of this fanfic. So I just kept being like, what the fuck is this? So I looked it up. Well, I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not okay either. Uh, I'm not coincidentally, okay. uh, before we really get into this, I just listened to that album all the way through. And... 
big big fan thumbs up i do awesome. not i wouldn't say that i put it over the deer hunter but it, it's a lot of fun to listen to it's kind of like if there is a similar thing in a different genre like like movies mm-hmm. like i would put it akin to other genres of movies but it's not in the same it's not like a historical piece it'd be more mm-hmm. modern but i'm glad you liked it yeah it's fun all right chapter 28 we went into a blake room the walls uh, were black and portraits of gothic bands like MCR, GC, and Marlon Mason all over them. A big black coffin was in the middle. Red velvet lined the black box. There were three chairs made of bones with real skulls in them. I was wearing a Blake corset bar with purple stuff in, on it, fishnet sucking, and a Blake leather thong underneath. I sat down one of the chairs dispersedly. So did Draco and Vampire. Are you okay? Vampire asked, potting his albastered hand on mine. He was wearing black nail polish. I was wearing Blake nail polish with red crosses on it. Yeah, I guess, I said sadly. Draco also pot his hand on mine sexily. I smiled sadly with Blake lipstick. The problem is, I have to seduce Volsamort. It'll have to go back in time. Draco started to cry sadly. Vampire hugged him. It's okay, Bobby, Draco said finally. But what about me? You're not gonna bake up or anything, are you? Of course not, I gasped. Really? He asked. Sure, I said. We Frenched sexily. Vampire looked at us longingly. Then I took off Draco's MCR shrift and seductively took of his pants. Mm. He was hung lickest alone. He had replaced the vampire tattoo that said Inabi on it. Black roses were around it. I gasped. He looked exactly Lick Gerard way. Vampire took a Vido camera. I had said it was okay before. I took of my clothes den. We were in for the rid of our lift. We started fraying as we climbed into the coffin. He put his Spock in my you-know-what, and passively, we did it. I love you, Bobby. Oh, let me feel you. I need to feel you. He screamed as we got an orgasm. Apparently you can order them off Amazon. Uh, We watched Vampire filmed everything perfectly. Suddenly, what what the the fuck fuck are you doing? It was... Snope and Professor McGoggle. One, one, one. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the for, for the new people that aren't new, uh, the ones are supposed to be exclamation points. I have taken to making a point of specifically dropping out any inflection when a number is present to try to help differentiate. Hence, while you will hear, uh, I need to go over and see things. So you'll, yeah, we'll, no, we'll try to get sense. there. Also, I, you know, consent is a big thing. I'm glad to see some consent in here finally. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're going to get on the veto camera, 
<laughs> yeah, you need to get a permission slip signed by your parents uh, before you can go on the field trip. Oh, what the fuck are we doing is what we should be asking, Snope and Professor McGoggle. <laughs> oh, my Satan. Oh, my sweet pasty. Well, if he's going to drink. <laughs> well, everyone, please take a hit. I'm going to have a little oh coffee. Oh, my goodness. I love coffee you with all my good. me. Chapter 29. Oh, oh my, my Satan. Satan. One. We screamed as we jumped out of the coffin. Snap, Amid, Professor McGonagall started to shoot at us angrily. Come now, one. Preacher McGongle yielded. We did, guiltily. We left the room, putting on our clothes. Snoop garbed the camel and put it in his pocket. Snoop garbed the caramel... And put it in his pocket. I'm not sure which of those is fucking worse. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what the fuck? One, one, one. Vampire shooted angrily. Yeah, Buster, what the fuck are you gonna do with the fucking camera? Draco demanded all protective, looking at me longly with his gothic red eyes. Look. Dumbledore knows your little secret, and if you do just again, you will go to St. Mango's. So give back the camera. One, 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 one. <laughs> the mystery of Mogik thinks he is crazy. There is no way they will believe him. Snoop laughed meanly. Yes, so shut your mouth, you insolent fools. Yelled Prof. Esser McGoggle. She made us come into a it's, weird it's, room. It's spelled right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that was what broke you. <laughs> because if you read it properly, yeah, yes, it's uh, like she it's made, made us come into a weird room. So they're just shooting ropes <laughs> into an empty classroom. <laughs> We are all sophomoric <laughs> jackasses here, and just the sight of the word C-U-M makes all of us just roariously laugh, and it's littered <laughs> throughout come. this. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> <sighs> Yelled Professor McGuggle. She made us come into a weird room with white stones all around it. There were all these weird tools in it. Draco started to cry, all sexy and sexitive. Get it? Because he's a sex borm. Oh, my fuck. Uh, Get it? Because he's a sex bomb. Lol, Tom Felnott's rules for lift, but not as much as Gerard. You are sex on legs. I love you, Fokang, Roke, marry me. One, one, one. I started to cry tears of blood. It happens in Vampire Chronicles, Raven said, so fuck you, one. Vampire took out a black honkerchief and started to wipe my red eyes. And then he and Snoop both took out guns using magic. They started to shoot each other angrily. None of the bullets got on each other yet. I took out my wand. Crossio! I shouted. 
Snap started to scram. He drops the gun. But it was too late. Both of them had run out of ballet. I stopped the curse. Professor Magoogle did a spell so that we were all chained up. She took out a box of tools. Then she said, Okay, Severus, I'm going to go now. She left. Snap started to laugh. Evilly. Vampire started to cry. It's okay, Nobby, said Draco. Evergreen will be all right. Remember the video you took a snake? Snape laughed again. And then he took out some whips. One, ah, one, 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 one. Oh, that's how you do the exclamation after the one. Well, I mean, I tried. Just want to whip something in here uh, since everybody else is getting whipped. So, Michael, we're doing till 31? Yes. Up to? So is this the cliffhanger? No, the next one is the cliffhanger. Yes. Are you are you asking yes, serious yeah, yes. or the, are you, means are you the joking? next one will be the cliffhanger? Okay. No, no. Chapter thirty one is one we will read. Okay. Oh. So we're, okay. oh my goodness, we have this conversation every week. Um, when are you going to learn that I don't listen to you? This chapter <laughs> and the next chapter. Okay. Are what we will read. Yes. Okay. okay. So I'm a little I'm a little less scared then. Okay. Now, <laughs> I, I will also say John has very repeatedly attempted to, you know, blow my head up and not in that way, you pervs, uh, <laughs> about talking how I am the golden god here, which uh, funnily enough, so Stephen, as of last week, sent me because you said I had a golden voice and then referred to me as a god amongst men. Uh, he sent me the almost famous, you know, uh, the guitar player standing on the roof going, I am a golden god! <laughs> <laughs> Which I felt you would both appreciate. I um, do. So John repeatedly strokes my ego about how great I am. I want to actually shout out the real MVP of this because Michael has had to transcribe this word for word. He can't even copy and paste. He has to look at a screen, write all this nonsense out on a weekly basis so that we have these things to read. So I want to take a small moment to applaud your efforts, sir, because this is goddamn ghastly. And if I had to sit and try to check every single word that I typed, which you must, because otherwise this is not going to function the way it does, uh, that's tedious beyond belief. So kudos and to you, yes, my friend. Yeah, uh, round of applause for hitting chapter 30 and beyond. And you can definitely tell that it's a uh, passionate project of yours. It's a lo- little love baby. Little little, little uh, Ravenway love baby. Huh. I, I will also say that Google has almost, almost given up on spell checking for this document. If there's anything to test its algorithm, it would be this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you mean this? No, I did not specify that. I spelled sh- suddenly with one D and no E. That is what I meant, and that is what I'm writing. Listen, we're taking the five IQ train down to Baskin Robbins <laughs> for a bad time, so buckle up, kiddo. I want a bubblegum flavored one. Uh, so uh, we will also say that's a light pole. <laughs> Who's light pole? <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Hello? Okay. God. Chapter 30. Scriptwriter's note, this chapter is not safe for life or your IQ. You've been warned. 
Or you've been warmed, depending upon, you know, if you're reading it the way that a Bobby would want you to. Correct. No. One. One. We screamed sadly. Snap stated loafing meanly. He took out a camera anvilly. Then he came towards Darko. What? One. Ah. He took some stones out of his pocket. He put dust stones around Draco and knit a candle. What the fuck are you doing? I shooted Arngrilly. Snoop laughed meanly. He pulled down his pants. I gasped. There was a dork mark on his you-know-what one, one. He waved his wand and a niff came. He gave the knife to me. You must stab Vrompire, he said to me. If you don't, then I'll wrap Draco. One. No, you fucking bastard. One. I yielded. But then Draco looked at me sadly with his evil gothic red eyes that looked so depressant and sexy. He looked exactly like a pentagram. Lol, get it, cause I'm a Satanist. Between Kurt Cobain and Gerard. But then, I looked at Vampire. And he looked so smexy, too, with his gothic black hair. I thought of the time when we screwed, and the time I did it with Draco, and Dumbledore came, and the tame where Draco almost committed suicide and Vampire was so sportive. Snipe laughed angrily. He started to pray to Volksamort. He started to do an incapacitation, dancing around the stokes, whipping Draco and Vampire. Suddenly, an idea I had. Hey, Yoda. Let me, I was going to say, let me rephrase that. Suddenly, an idea I had. <laughs> <laughs> I closed my eyes. And using my vampire powers, I sent a telepathetic message to Darko and... <laughs> no. I just, I wanted to say it. I needed to say it. <clears throat> I closed my eyes and using my vampire powers, I sent a telepathetic message to Draco and vampire so they would destruct Snape. Double Dark will kiss you. Draco shooted. Yeah, just wait until the mi- <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, just wait until the mystery find out, one one. Vampire yelled. Meanwhile, I took out my wand. You ridiculous don de de der heed one one one. Snoop yielded. He took off all of Dricko's clothes. Just as he was about to woohoo him. Crossio! I shited. <laughs> Just take it. Can, back. can we start? No, take no. I'm back. gonna. I gotta say it because I. I shited. She suddenly grew. <laughs> All right. She suddenly grew balls. Yes, indeed. I will. Uh, we'll go from the preceding line yeah. here. Crossio. I shited. Pointed. <laughs> Fuck me. <clears throat> let me. Let me go to the line before so I can at least compose myself here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Snoop yielded. He took off all of Dricko's clothes, just as he was about to woohoo him. 
Crossio! I shited point my wound. Snoop screamed and started running around the room, screaming. Meanwhile, I grabbed my black mobile and sent a text to Sirius. I stopped doing Crucio. You dunderheed. One, one, one. Am going to kill... Shooted Snape, but suddenly, Cerverus came. Snake put the whip behind his bake. Oh, hello, Sev. I was just teaching them something. He lied. But suddenly, Lucian and Professor Trevelry came into the room, and they and Sirius unlocked the chains and put them around Snap. Then Professor Trevelry said, Come on, everybody, let's go. And that brings us to the delicate flower that is chapter 31. (laughs) Holy mother of pearl, this is getting dirty. I I told you it was not safe for life. We got... I I meant it. We got... I I shitted. Snoop wand just being floated around all over the place here. Uh, And whipping. Whipping him like a rented mule. Whip him real good. Indeed. All right. Chapter 31 it shall be. Chapter... 31. I'm trying to figure out who the hell I should have Sirius be here because it's... Yeah, uh, I can't remember if he spoke or not. I haven't done Sirius yet, if I recall. Um, So, uh... Walter Brimley. No, you're right, you're right. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 All right, here we go. Uh, Please, please. Uh, Chapter 31. I always knew you were on Voldemort's side, you son of a bitka. Boofy rocks. One, one, one. Sirius said to Snape. No, I'm not. I was teaching them something, one. Snap clammed. Oh, fucking yeah? I took some Blake Volramort serum out of my pocket and gave it to Cerveros. He made Snap drink it. He did Arngrilly. Then Luscious took out a tape recorder and started playing it while he did curses on Snap. Is this fucking Reservoir Dogs now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know why I came here tonight. Uh, then Professor Sinister and Lucian made us get out with them while Snape told his secretes. Lucian took Vampur and Draco to the nurse after thanking me a million times. Perfect. Professor Travolri took me to a dark room. Now... I was going to go back in time to seduce Volksamort. Moving posters of MCR and Nrivvena were all over. Hermione, Darkness, and Willow came too. Bloody Mary gave me a Blake bag from Tom Ridd's store. Didn't you tell me they're the same fucking person? I'm sorry. I know oh, they are. Yes. No, Hermione and Bloody Mary are. Darkness is Jenny. Remember, we had a whole conversation about this. Oh, yes. God. Of, uh, sorry. Go. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. No, you're good. You're good. We're covering our bases because if you're confused, the listeners are confused. Uh, Melissa and I have had the same experience. Every time I see Willow, if we're not going to canonically state now, Willow is you know it's supposed to be sort of the... Uh, avatar of her friend who is editing the thing but to me Ravens. every time i see willow i think of buffy willow <laughs> uh, the uh, redhead sudden... from uh from buffy yeah from, it, there's I mean, also in be... um how i met your mother 
Yes, and American Pie, all those. Oh. Things. Yes, right. Uh, so every time I see Willow, I'm like, are we doing a, a weird Buffy crossover here? Because like, there's a lot of vampires. I have a feeling this might be a conflict of interest. They did, literally, Cerverus said Buffy. Rocks, I know, which is funny. Like, it's like, why? Why do we have people who are vampires who love a vampire killer? What the fuck is going on here? Okay, sorry. We've, anyway. we've just we've digressed and completely gotten off point. It's like Wilfred Brimley's running this show. All right. <clears throat> so, Hermione, Darkness, and Willow came too. Be Luddy Mary gave me a Blake bag from Tom Reed's store. What's in the bag? I asked Professor Trevelry. You will see, she said. I opened the bag. In it was a sexy, tight low smut black leather gothic dress it had red corset stuff and there was a silt up da leg i put it on my friends helped me put on blake fishnets and blake pointy boots willow had chosen willow and darkness helped me put on black eyeliner and blood red lipstick you look fucking kawaii bitch bloody mary said <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Mary said. Fangs. I said, "Uh, get it. Okay, now you're gonna go back and Tim. Said, Professor. Sinister. You will have to do it in a few sessions. She gave me a Blake gun. I put it in a strap on my fishnets like in (laughs) Redisnet Evel. (laughs) Then she gave me a black time tuner. After an hour, use the time tuner to go back here. Professor Travolry said. Then she and Bloody Mary put a pensive in front of me. Every one went in front of it. Good luck. Good luck! One. Every one shooted. Darkness and Willow gave me Death's Touch Sin. <laughs> then I jumped sexily into the pensive. Suddenly... I was in font of Teskul. In front of me was one of the sexiest goth guys I had ever seen. He was wearing long black hair, kind of like Mikey Way, only black. He had gren eyes like Billy Joe Armstrong and pale wit skin. He was wearing a black ripped up suit with vans. It was... Tom Bombadil. One, 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 one. <laughs> so trees are going to start putting people to sleep in this story, right? That's going to happen? Is that, are... uh, you wish. You uh... wish. Nah. Man, what the fuck have you gotten us into? <laughs> Apparently it's now the petrified forest is where we're at as opposed to the forbidden forest in an author's <sighs> note in the next chapter which of course we're not reading but it's easier to specify now she does uh say that uh yes i spelled his name wrong i don't care <laughs> not in her words but uh, essentially uh, yes <laughs> everyone loves tom bombadil yeah well, I think uh, that certainly has been the jarring slap to the face that I have not experienced since Clarkdale. Uh, right? Oh, goodness gracious. It it just just wait until the time shenanigans. Um I will I will ask you because especially John will forget. I will ask you at the end of each reading from here on out what time period do you think she traveled to? 
Okay. So, um, eighteen forty-two. Yeah. We'll just we'll just stick in the with year that. of our Lord. Uh, actually, <laughs> it was uh, nineteen fifty-six. I believe is where she traveled back. Um, she will then meet Doctor Emmett Brown. No, 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 no. It's flashback nineteen seventy-nine. Um, cool that's, kids. At, at, that's a breakdown. Never have the time. What? I don't understand the reference, and I, I refuse to acknowledge well, it. Well, maybe if you smirched some poom kinds, you would know Billy yeah. Corrigan. Why isn't anybody lusting over Billy Corrigan in this fucking thing, by the way? What, bald men aren't he's attractive? Old. I mean, he's as gothic, you know, vampiric looking as any of these other assholes. I don't know what the problem is. You know, with how the story has gone, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't arrive in, like, future chapters and pulls... Off one of the most disgusting porn feats of all time, just lubing up his bald head and then just reverse birthing into somebody. Well, can we have? Um, <laughs> what the fuck, John? Would, we're not doing fuck, Mary kill with Jedi's right now. Uh, John, would you then uh, depict uh, Satan, uh, aka Young Voldemort, as Billy Corrigan? Yeah, I guess I could. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess that uh, I guess that Satan could be voiced like this because this is what you Billy Corgan sounds like to me. My name is Tom. Except you can't, Bombadil. you can't see the tobacco lining the uh, the the inner circles of my teeth uh, through the podcast. But this is in fact Billy Corgan. <laughs> and May's middle name we shook oh hands. The world like, <laughs> is a vampire. That's what I'm saying. Da, da, da. I feel like I'm we sorry. just killed this episode. Just blunt for. I think we just Negan to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're Glenn. Yes, uh, baseball the podcast there, is Glenn, and we the are podcast Negan. has got an eye hanging out of the socket right now. Maggie, <laughs> like a booger you didn't know you caught. Uh, oh yeah, spoiler oh, alerts. <laughs> Yeah, from nine years ago, I'm sure, since The Walking Dead's been running since 1979. Hey, do you, th- do you think those neckbeards are still protesting the show because of that? I hope so. I really do. Cause, uh, I they... love that so much. I know that's the weirdest way that we're going to end this is when... Clip that. John loves when... the violence against Asian people. <laughs> what when, the fuck? When that happened on The Walking Dead show, I will never forget that, like... All of a sudden, all these people that loved violence and loved the goriness of the show and just loved everything that that sequence is basically about were up in arms like, What the fuck? I'll never watch it again. That was the most visceral thing that I've ever seen in my life. I'll never support your show. Well, and then they'll go like watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's it's perfectly fine if the act is against the undead because they have ceased to be humans because they don't have consciousness. I'm going to argue that 80% of the American populace doesn't have consciousness as far as I've experienced. I mean, uh, have you heard about the movement that started in Texas? Oh, yeah. Take us out on some depression. If it, Im- if it involves Ooh. cousins and cow pies, I'll believe it. Nope, it's kind of similar to how the uh, Mountainside Fitness Gym is suing Arizona. Oh, bless um, them. The, there is a movement in Texas of uh, bar owners that are protesting uh, the you know closures and stuff. Uh, given what has been going on in our country the last couple of months, or mainly the last month, could you take a stab at what the movement is called? Bowel. Anti-mask lives matter. 
Bar lives matter. Fuck off. Go kill yourself, you fucking pathetic piece of shit. <laughs> oh my I god. I saw that and I'm like, no, this is bullshit. The, the, I and I had to search in multiple sources. It is a confirmed protest and movement um trying to get their bars open up. And it was mainly started by if if I recall correctly, it was started by a person who forbid the wearing of masks in his bar. It is a very, very lucky set of circumstances that I am not the Ozymandias of this world with my finger on the button because it would be raining tentacles right Fucking now. Fucking squids everywhere. It'd be, oh. it'd be hentai central in some places. That's you would have, sure. yes, just tentacles in every orifice available to them as they exploded with the strangest gooey-gasm that you have ever seen in your life. And I think that is a very appropriate place for us to wrap up this Gucci taco of an episode. Michael, you should be doing fucking cartwheels right now because we are going to be just at, if not after some editing, under an hour and a half. Yeah, no, I'm pretty happy about that. Now, I know that we like to be long-winded and it's Mm. fun just to talk as much as we possibly want, but in a perfect world, I think, Michael, you would appreciate an hour and a half. Oh, I'd appreciate a two-minute episode. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, if it was all of just you talking, it would be two minutes. <laughs> no, it would not. No, it would be a three-hour thing <laughs> because no one would stop me. And it would, if someone were to edit me and not myself edit me, it would be two minutes. If and I I'd remember, like, and I'm Michael. the first time I heard H.G. Wells' name mentioned, it was in the midst of my mom beating me with a leather strap whilst she held me down and the dog penetrated me. And I remembered thinking, this must be the inspiration for Animal Farm, because I feel like an animal. Are you just doing the monologue from Austin Powers? Have have I told this story before? Shut and up, then Meg, I talking. suddenly shit <laughs> as a child. <laughs> oh. I am... There's gonna be fade-outs. There has to be a fade-out. No, eventually. there's never gonna be a fade. <laughs> never fade. I have saying never fade. I have now saying so much on this episode that we're going to have to watch for someone to sue me later on for using more than 15 minutes of Billy Corrigan voice. But <laughs> uh just say it's a parody cuz I mean it, is. it pretty much was. Yes. Oh, I was a parrot. Yes, I was parroting it. Rock! It's a living. Yes, well. <laughs> Rock, the state should give us all N95s. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, well. Considering they have to call in nurses and stuff from out of state because we don't have enough. Uh, Ooh, Rick. All right. Let's watch the end of the world. Oh, jeez. Hey, fuck Beak. Calm down. Let's get this thing over with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Thank you for letting me be particularly coarse and cursy this evening. We're really just trying to get it out of our systems before we move on to Disinformed After Dark, which is going to be very interesting as we are going to have a couple things thrown in here, but we are actually going to get back on sequence so that After Dark will follow the episode as opposed to preceding the episode, which is something that's been talked about here. So there's going to be a little extra content and we have a surprise coming your way. Uh, that you have already seen now by the time you've gotten to this, so we hope you enjoyed it, because we may have. I don't know. It may be the most colossal blunder ever, yes. But uh, for Mm, the glorious Disinformed Podcast, I am Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And this is (laughs) Bumblefuck, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing (laughs) off. Thank you for coming, kids. Don't worry, Ebony will clean it up in the past. Brock? Brock! 
Ah, you can't. Freck, you can't, kill me. You can't have freckles on your asshole. Use a condom. Freck.